Amen. You may be seated and good morning. For those of you I've not met, my name is Steve. You can already tell things are going to be a little different today. You're right. Uh, I'll get to that in a moment. A couple of quick announcements. One is many of you have been praying for a young lady that as a church we've kind of adopted uh, who was uh, single mom and was uh, expecting her first baby. Little Leo was born on Thursday and uh, they're doing well. She got home I think late last night and uh, one of the things that we did as a church to uh, try to help bless her, uh, of course one of our families has taken them in and we've done a lot of different things but we did help get her a car or actually bought her a car and I mentioned a couple weekends ago and if any of you wanted to give, well actually about $4,000 has come in so thank you for your generosity uh, we were hoping, and, and, and what it actually ended up costing was about six. So if any of you wanted to, to continue to give towards that, that would be great. Uh, but thank you so much for your generosity. Secondly, this is the week, our new podcast, Resident Strangers, Christian Thinking in a Foreign World. It drops if you're not signed up at Apple or Android or wherever, or you don't even do podcasts, you can go to our website, but that all drops uh, this week on Tuesday, so make sure you do that. If you haven't noticed, we have construction going on, finally, right? And that's all good, yes. But it's going to create some issues, and uh, the issues kind of start now. Uh, so, and I know most of you, you don't live in this world, so let me explain. Churches have seasons um, that you go through uh, in a year. Typically, every year, July, if you were to look at our attendance, it's our smallest month of the year, actually, attendance-wise, because... It's hot, right? <laughs> People want to get away. Go to Colorado like we just did. It's, it's good. It's fine. And then, of course, August, everybody's back to school. Things pick up. So the good news is that last month, which is July, which typically is our, again, going to be our lowest month, we were actually averaged about 280 more people a weekend than we did a year ago in July. So we have parking issues. That's what I'm trying to get to. We have parking issues. And, uh, and for those of us who attend here regularly, two things. One is, please understand Hale Irwin, because we've lost half our parking with this. They're telling us it'll be done by Christmas, so that's, I'm hoping that'll be great. But Hale Irwin. But we also have some covered parking out here. And if you ever look at it, it says guest some of you have been guest for four years <laughs> and uh, we're not going to name names even though we may possibly have cameras with AI who can identify uh, because it's, it's more important than that it's almost like it, it's, it, it's an eternal thing right so so if a guest comes and can't find parking and drives out and then doesn't get to hear the message of salvation, right? So if I could just encourage uh, you all to, to really lead that for a guest, because we do have a number every weekend, that would be huge. And I know for some of you that means them parking way down the other place. But if you could help us with that, that would be awesome. So 
We're going to get back into Revelation in the month of September. Usually in August, we'd like to do something we call faith and family, of just kind of some real practical things. This uh, month, what we're going to do is called Love, Respect, and Hope, talking about relationships, focusing somewhat on marriage, but something here for everyone, even if, if you're not. And uh, for those of you who have not met this beautiful lady to my left, this is Tammy. She has been my partner in life for uh, this December. It will be 34 years. Uh, we've raised three kids together. And, but honestly, here's the thing that a lot of people don't understand. Uh, unless you get to know us. And, but she's been my partner in this ministry. I know that every weekend you all see me and you don't necessarily see her. Uh, but I, listen, honestly, I could not have done Desert Springs without her. We've done this together. And uh, she, is, she is a very godly lady. And since we're going to talk about some relationship stuff, I've invited her. Now, we're not counselors. I always want to be upfront about that. We're both teachers. She prefers kind of one-on-one, -on -one, small group stuff. I prefer the bigger, uh, so there you go. Um, but what we want to do is, and I wanted to bring her in to give some practical perspective. So today, we're going to deal with this idea of love. Next week with respect, next week, uh, the week after that on hope. But what, what we want to do is we want... Because what, 28 years, man, we've, we've seen a lot of marriages in crisis. And uh, we want to be of help. Now, here's the thing. If your marriage is in real crisis and you're ready to blow up, hopefully you'll get some good stuff here that will be of some help. But to be honest, you need more help than that. We have marriage mentoring. Uh, we have some counselors that are here in the community that we can recommend. Uh, would love to do that for you. You're probably not our heart target this morning. Our heart target is really for those of you who think, hey, I got a pretty good marriage, or hey, it, it, it's, it's okay, because we don't want you to get to that point of crisis. And so uh, that's kind of what we, we want to focus on. With that, Love and Respect actually comes from a wonderful Christian book uh, by that same title. We've taken a lot of information out of that. We've got some of our community groups that are going to actually be studying that book. Would encourage you to get in. To, to, to go to Love and Respect doesn't mean your marriage is in crisis. It means you could have a good marriage, right? You're just going to try to get it better. And then there's a couple of books that you've uh, looked at that you really like. Yeah, with scary titles, but uh, Julie and David Gordon... Uh, wrote books on uh, wife school and husband school, but really good stuff. Everybody I've ever recommended them to said, I wish I would have had that even before I got married. So it's just good practical stuff. Yes. So I want to start today with some presuppositions. And I had to laugh because I was thinking about it. Probably five years ago, I wouldn't have even needed to take time to talk about this, but I probably do. Uh, and with that, I don't have time to argue them. I don't have time to make my case for them. I just need you to understand these are three presuppositions that we're working from. They come from a biblical worldview. It's kind of what our new podcast is about, is how do you, you know, thinking Christian in this foreign world. But we believe these are biblical ideas. They're kind of countercultural, but we believe them to be truth. Number one, Men and women are different. 
and that's just not physically and anatomically. God made us and wired us different. Not better, not worse, different. And in that, he made us unique. And the way that we see life, the way that we think, isn't, doesn't always line up, and that's okay. And then the third piece is this. That God's word is the one, God is the one who designed all this. He knows best. A lot of what we're going to share over the next three weekends, quite honestly, is countercultural in this culture that we're in. And we know that for some, it's going to push back as to what you have been told to believe. My only argument would be, okay, look at the culture. How's it going out there? I'm going to argue that God knows better because he's the one who made us. He's the one who designed marriage. He's the one who designed relationships. And even though we're going to focus on marriage, a lot of these truths go beyond that. They go to, you know, today we're talking about love, which is primarily I'm going to be talking to men. But this goes, how do you treat your daughters? How do you treat your daughter-in-laws? How, how do you treat the women in your life? There's a lot of important things here. So we are in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 25 to 33. So I hope that you're there and will read along with me as I read out loud. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Now, again, we're going to paint with some broad brushes, you know, throughout this, because not everybody's identical. But men, most women, the thing they value most in a relationship is this idea of love. God made them internally to desire to be cherished, to be valued. The expression I like, to be first of importance in your life. And you can actually see that in creation. So you go back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and what you see is that God makes the whole world, he makes the animals, he makes the earth, and then he makes Adam. He says, you ought to rule over it. So he names the animals, he begins to tend to the garden, but something is missing. It is not good for man to be alone. And so now God makes the, the crowning piece of his creation, which is Eve and brings her to the man. And then this is what he says. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And as I've pointed out before, that verse may be the most countercultural verse that Moses wrote in all of the law. 
Because when he wrote that and shared the heart of God, men never left their parents. The wife would leave her parents to go be with her husband. But the men, you had boys, they were there to work. And then they were there to take care of you in your old age. And his whole point is here, no, 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 no. It's not the parent relationship. It is the wife relationship that is above all. It is above all. And so his, his whole point there is, is that this is what is to be valued. And this is what to be lost. So the question becomes... How can we love our wives well? Big question. One thing I just want to share real quickly. I just love this quote by Matthew Henry. It says, The woman formed out of man, not out of his head to rule over her, him, not out of his feet to be trampled upon, but out of his side to be equal, from beneath his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be loved. And I think that that is the design that the Lord has made women to have that desire and uh, for men to show that kind of love, and certainly the, the Christ-like love. But one of the broad strokes again, but ways that I know I feel uh, that kind of love and that kind of value is just in deep conversations and having communication where there's feedback and where there's explore, exploration of my heart and trying to really see what's going on inside of me. That makes me feel close and connected. It gives me that emotional connection that I'm looking for. And this last week, as Steve said, we were in Durango, and he found us a new spot to eat at, and we we're sitting there, and he just... Because food is important to Steve, right? It was actually rated the number one restaurant in Durango, and it was really good. Um, but he uh, threw out a question that he had never asked me before, and I pondered and thought, wow, that really dug kind of down deep, and it created a spark that made a conversation for the rest of the evening and made me feel really valued like I want to know what you think about this and how are you feeling about this and it really ministered to my heart so I think that most women appreciate that and that is a need that we have and that uh, a woman wants to be listened to and uh, especially that deep conversation often brings an emotional release much like sex is to a man I think women really need that and the challenge, I think, is, is that most men don't have that need. And so when you go to love your wife like you want to be loved and love your neighbor as yourself, it's like, well, I don't have that need. It's really hard to remember that that's something that a woman typically has, at least a whole lot more than most men do. And so I think that one of the just three little things that are helpful in that is just in communicating in a daily basis of really showing that you're listening. Uh, sometimes that's just even eye contact, but more than just ears, you know, feedback, just response, uh, comments. You used and, the example once with me of ping pong. Yes, if she serves you something, serve something back. Like, you know, just don't let the ball fall off the table. Um, but uh, I think that oftentimes it's just easy to hear, but not really respond, not give some feedback maybe some follow-up questions or whatever to show that there is interest on your part. Um, initiating significant conversations like Steve did, that, that really ministers a lot. And uh, women, I think, you know, your heart kind of melts when you want to be understood. And uh, those kinds of questions and exploration mean a lot. And then take your own shield down. I think that typically, again, broad strokes, but I love to hear what's going on in your heart. 
Even if it's some struggles that you sometimes go, I'm gonna bear this burden, I'm not gonna share it with my wife, because, you know, typically most wives are going, what's going on? I know something's happening. Let your guard down, uh, share your heart, share your dreams, share your goals, share your desires, even sometimes frustrations. And this is what is difficult, because as men, we did that. It's kind of how we won them, right? Because what we want to do in the courting period is we want to find the woman who's of great value for me now to give my life to, right? That I will take the bullet for. And so we did that. And we went deep and we found her. And we are good, right? right? We don't need to go back there. But that's not what it's like for a woman. She needs to continue to be drawn out. She desires those deep conversations. And then typically when you were courting or dating your wife, uh, you, were, you, you had that romantic side. I mean, it is definitely out there. Look at these proposals and these engagements. I mean, men definitely wired to have it. But this is something that I think oftentimes just in general, we, it, it kind of fades as we get more uh, down the years and so on and so forth. But uh, if, we, if we ignore this, this is an emotional need that most women have. And there's a multi-billion dollar industry out there for romance novels, romance movies, and, and shows and the whole thing that prove that I think this is something that women still really deeply want. And it doesn't have to be a huge ordeal. Uh, really, it, it, I think two main things are tender words, uh, using the words that you, that you uh, speak to your wife and the tone that you speak them in means so much uh, that you let her know that she is desirable, that she is beautiful. You can't say, I love you too much. Uh, these are words that really minister to the heart of women and how you say those and that you do that repeatedly, often, every day. Uh, she wants to know that she is beautiful, desired, and admired. And so those are things that I think mean an awful lot to a woman. And then in action, uh, some of those things are, you know, just good old manners and courtesy and kindness, but also the actions of just, you know, holding hands and putting your arm around her and hugs and kisses and things that show physically that you do care. There's a, those generate closeness that make a woman feel loved and that you really want to be close to her and I think minister to their hearts. And so... Uh, those are areas that I think are, are really critical, but emotional needs must be met. Typically, every affair, either male or female, is because emotional needs aren't met. And these are two ways, I think, that are important for women. Guys, I don't know if you'd notice, but he actually says it three times. In verse 25, husbands, love your wives. Verse 28, so husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He comes back to it in verse 33. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife. Three times he tells us. And if you've ever, you know, you've been around church, you know, there are different Greek words for love. This is agape. This is that godlike love. This is, this is in the present imperative tense. This is what we're told to do, to intentionally try to, to love. And so the question becomes, and how do we do that, right? Well, there's many ways, but another one that means a lot to me, and I think most women like to be celebrated, uh, especially uh, on special days that uh, I think oftentimes we feel a little measured, like, am I being loved? Am I, is there attention given to me on these days that are to 
celebrate the things that you are. And of course, if you really show up on five particular days, guys, it, it really means a lot. But the birthday, you know, kind of all the anniversaries and um, kind of, you Christmas. know, the ones that you're used to. Christmas. I, I, I did those three but really Mother's well. Mother's Day and Valentine's Day are Mother's also Day and Valentine's Day. Didn't Hallmark make those up? <laughs> well, on Mother's Day, I think that this is, and I've tried to get my brain around this because, you know, it's really something that I think uh, really value, or shows value to women that particularly pour their hearts and souls into raising kids and, and, you know, just bearing kids and all that you do to have children. Um, it's kind of really innately and connected to our hearts. And so I think that's a big one. We want to be appreciated for it. We want to be recognized. It's a, a big deal for women to be a mom. And the other one, Valentine's Day, I think this is where it kind of just holds everybody accountable to pull that romantic side out of you every day, maybe one time a year, possibly. So, so you're not married, or you are married, but you have daughters. There's a truth here, right? Treating women with value, with understanding, digging deep, asking questions, listening to their heart. Those are all really important things. I mean, if one of the things I, I think is that a dad in the life of his daughter, uh, daughter-in-laws, uh, to listen and to care for their heart is just huge. Yes, I think especially as uh, young girls are growing up, it's just the father-daughter relationship it radically changes uh, who they are and how they feel about themselves. Uh, to know that they are admired and accepted and loved just the way they are by their dads is huge. It just makes a physiological, uh, psychological, and just such a huge difference in their lives. They too want to be um, accepted and loved and I think uh, complimented. And the words that you use for them are, are really huge to bolster their self-esteem and, and to know that they are loved. There's a, a true bond that comes. and. Time, I think, as we often say, love is spelled T-I-M-E, but the time that you spend with any of your children but will radically change their lives. And there's no greater gift you can give a wife than the gift of intentional fathering. So how do we love her well? I think Paul actually kind of gets into that in that passage. So the first thing that we see is he reminds us in verse 25, men, that our example is Jesus how he loved us. You talk about setting the bar high, you can't set it any higher than that. And that actually, when you think about it, answers the question, because a lot of times I'll sit with a, with a man and I start talking about this, but you know, she doesn't deserve that. She doesn't, to me, she doesn't. De well, it raises a question, do, do, does your wife have to earn love or is it unconditional? Well, did we earn God's love? Did we earn Jesus coming and dying for us? Jesus sacrificing for us? No, it was unconditional. And so that's how we are to love our wives. And how we, what he does here is he actually breaks it down into four specific things I want to kind of finish up with here. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So I think number one, how do we intentionally love our wives? We need to be willing to sacrifice anything, even golf, in order to love our wives, to become that person in her life that is values what's going on with her, 
What, what, what does that look like to, to a woman? I think it's showing the leadership and taking leadership, a godly leadership, on your back for your family, for your wife, to, to say, I've got you. I'm going to lead us well in that sacrificial servant-style leadership. That's what I think earns that right and that desire for a woman to follow and to submit and to uh, really respect that kind of leadership. And that's what I think God, or Jesus modeled for us. And ultimately, I think if a man leads that way, a woman wants nothing more than his highest good and wants to be that helpmate to that, that husband. Um, a couple things that I think have gone wrong so often is that we pulled scripture out of context for generations and generations. And uh, we look at this in different ways depending on how we want to see that. And we all know that that commander leadership model of, you know, King the, of the castle! I, the leader and the wife is just kind of obligated to follow suit on all things. Uh, doesn't work. We see uh, evidence of that. But I think in our day and age, the greater uh, kind of uh, leadership style that is uh, more prevalent and encouraged by our culture is more that passive leader. Uh, because, I don't know, we were watching our grandkids, watching their little cartoon shows and uh, just about everything and movies and everything, uh, the dads are portrayed as dumb. They don't get kids. They don't know how to really interject in the family and, and do anything right. They're just sort of pushed aside like, you know, you don't have the right things to offer. Let me show you how to do this kind of thing. And I, I really think we've got to push away from that, especially because being a passive leader is, the, is really the easy route, right? That's the path of least resistance. We don't have to get in there and get into the chaos and the mess and the hard things and the emotions. Uh, we can check out. But that is not at all what I think God has intended for godly leadership to look like. And yes, it is a burden, you know, to take the family on your back, to be involved, to, to really get into the nitty-gritty of it is um, huge. But uh, I think two things that are really critical uh, for godly leadership is to initiate prayer with your wife and your family every day. Uh, this is one of the ways that you're going to find out more what's going on in her heart, what's, how you can share things, uh, but also that uh, you go to, to God with your problems, that you share these challenges together, that you lift them up to God and know that he's the only one that can really show you what to do in it. As a, a couple together, then you, it moves your hearts together to God. Prayer is the power source, and we all need to be plugging into it every single day. So lead and initiate that. Don't make your wife be that godly leader. Oh, we haven't prayed yet today. Uh, and also lead them into God's word. God's word is the single most uh, powerful catalyst for change there is. And if you want your wife or your husband to change, like, you know, nothing transforms or changes us like God's word. But it also gives us wisdom to handle these challenges, shows us how we can love more like Christ. And it's our greatest, I think, resource. So get into those two things. So, first, we need to be willing to do whatever it takes. And that means to step up into the leadership as Jesus is our leader, right? He's our example. The second one is found in verse 26 and 27. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she would be holy and blameless. I think the second way that we have got to love our wife well is we got to love her in a way that we're moving her towards Jesus. You just talked about some of that. But I think it's more than that. You know, we're saying, 
why would God fail you now? And the answer is he won't, right? We, we talk about God's faithfulness. Well, husbands, I think we've got to love our wives in such a way that we, they see us as part of God's faithfulness to them, not God's curse to them, right? That we, we're that one in their life. It helps move them towards Jesus. And to be real honest, the thing that probably crushes that more than anything else is infidelity. Whether it's emotional, obviously sexual, a porn, any of those things crushes the heart and the spirit of a wife. And it doesn't move them towards Jesus. If anybody asked me if I could change one thing, it's that. Nothing has grieved my heart more in this whole 34 years of doing ministry alongside Steve than the countless times that I've had to sit down with a woman and try to pick her up and encourage her and love her in the absolutely heart-crushing grief that she's going through. Uh, it is so difficult and, and so hard to rebound from. God can heal and restore, but um, it just grieves my heart. And I know that it happens on both sides because I've seen the evidence. on it, It's not a male or female necessarily thing, but it is truly heart-crushing. And we want to trust our husbands with our whole heart. Um, we know only God can do that. But uh, one of the things that I think, I hope anyway, could help keep us from getting that far down is that we listen to our wives, husbands, that I believe God has instinctively kind of given a woman a barometer that's helping you stay in your safe zone. Uh, that a woman, you know, kind of, when you start to show affection or, or even interest in other women, it wounds her heart. And there's kind of like a, you know, alarm goes off to say, I'm not feeling so comfortable about this. You know, why are you talking about this woman so much? Or what, what, what are you messaging? What are your texting, texts? Are, what's happening here? Listen to your wife's barometer and respect that. It's not just a jealousy thing, but I think God has instinctively helped us see some of your blind spots to say, this isn't a safe zone for you. Let's not go there so we can stay and, and from getting way far down the line. So how do we love our wives? Well, number one, we've got to be willing to sacrifice, take step up to the spiritual leadership. Number two, we've got to love her in a way that we're moving her towards Jesus, right? We, she sees us as part of God's faithfulness. The third thing is, is that we've got to hit those felt needs. So you see this in verse 28. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and cherishes. Makes sense, guys. We're, right? We're, we're, we're hungry, we eat. We're thirsty, we drink. We're tired, we sit down. Felt needs. And so listening, looking, and ministering to those felt needs of a wife is what God has called us to do. So really practical here, but I'll tell you what I know means a lot to me is that especially around house, you know, there's those chores that we all have and that uh, just are endless and constant and mindless. But when I feel like all of those things are on me, sometimes I can kind of resent the fact that someone else can kind of sit there and just surf and just relax Ooh, and enjoy life when I'm still working. I'm still up working. And so uh, what's meant a lot and what's helped us is just to kind of, you know, talk about these things, negotiate, you know, division of labor, see what, 
who's good at what, who likes what more, uh, what can we do to help each other so that there's a, a shared uh, vision to this. And um, so one of the things for us anyway, at least I was kind of threatening, okay, we need to get a cleaner. Um, and Cleaner costs money. He, he's cheap. He didn't want to do it. So he offered to do my floor. So he's not my floor guy. I'm the floor guy. Uh, and he does, we, we, neither one of us are morning people, but he's more morning than I am. So he said, well, I will unload the dishwasher and then I do the loading and all of those things. But just those two things even, there's more things that we end up doing together, but uh, just has helped. It helps a lot to divide that up and do the things that, that um, either one of us are better at and find those things, but have a conversation. You know, just resenting and continuing the same old way and it, it, it brings up emotions, I think, in, in women that we can kind of hold on and just resent that uh, we're having to do and carry that biggest load kind of at home. So I think just worth having conversations. And another thing, honestly, over the years that we've seen is uh, the women really don't like to just have to carry the whole financial burden. You know, here's my check, I go make it, now you take care of that. You know, partnership in the finances, because as we talk about finances, a lot tie into vision and all of those type of things. And on the other side of that, sometimes women don't have any idea what's going on with the finances. Yeah. It, it can go either way. Uh, and I think that what's the most successful for everybody is if both people, there's a partnership where everybody understands what's going on. We will have greater success in all aspects of finances if the more that we both know what's happening. And so communication in that, finding strategies. I mean, the best thing we ever did for our marriage was Financial Peace University because it got us on the same page. It forced us into conversations. It got us organized. We figured out where we were at, and it created uh, the ability for us to dream again, where we could dream together and work together towards goals that we both had uh, that united us rather than divided us. And so having a say and opinion for all of those things, how, how we're gonna do our kids, what we're gonna pay, how much, is, how much is too much for school supplies? What do we do about all these things? We need to have those conversations and all. And by the way, if strategies. you haven't taken Financial Peace University, it will also be offered this fall through some connect groups, would be a great thing. We're out of time, but I wanna hit the last thing. The fourth way that we love our wives well, so we willing to sacrifice whatever to step into that leadership. Uh, number two, uh, we move her towards Jesus. Number three, we hit those felt needs. But number four, our love has to be unbreakable. Of course, the example is Jesus. The best way I could probably explain this is I believe that what a woman's heart needs and desires is for a man who is all in, who is committed and devoted. Uh, and so for us... We came to an agreement, I think before we were married, if not, it was just shortly thereafter, but that we would never use the word divorce in, in, our, in our marriage. It, because it, for us, it was not an option. We're going to figure it out. We were all in. Now, here's the thing. We live in a fallen world. Sometimes divorce is an option. I get that. Some of you have been there. You know the pain. You know the hurt. By the way, we got a great ministry here called Divorce Care. And even now, Divorce Care for Kids, we want to help you walk through that because it is one of the hardest things to go through in life. 
But as, as a couple who is seeking after the Lord, that just, we, we, we got to live this and do it in a way that that's not, that's not something that we threaten. That's not something that we put out there. Because sometimes you speak things and they'll become reality. And so you can't do that. You, this, that we are all in and we're going to figure this thing out together is just absolutely crucial in, in being able to do this. Did you want to add anything? Because as you I talk, I'm closing my the, Bible, which is a signal that we are done. So I just think that the, the trustworthiness, the fact that a woman can trust her heart to a man uh, is the key and, and the most important quality. Uh, so that unbreakable and full-on integrity, knowing that you're fully devoted is huge. Yeah. And all of this is rooted in the fact of how Jesus loved us. And if you've not met him and experienced his love, he came and he died for you to pay for your sin. He offers it as a free gift. If you'll just come by faith and fight him to be your savior, that's what he'll do. And uh, after we're done, we're going to have some people over here where it says prayer. If you've got a prayer need, they'd love to pray with you. If you've got a marriage need, again, we've got marriage mentors. We, we would love to help. Uh, it's difficult. But these are important truths that we understand how God has made us and how God has made us unique and different and how we are to walk in these things. I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to pray, and we'll be dismissed. Father.